Um, last week we started a new series talking about uh, this guy named Jonah, and we looked at how uh, Jonah was a runner, hence the you know, brightly colored tennis shoes that are up here. We, we titled this Runner. Uh, we're looking at uh, Jonah, how he ran from God, and some of the things that he learned uh, from his running experience. And what we've kind of discovered is that Jonah's story and our story, well, there's not a lot of difference between the two. Because we are all runners at one point or another, and in some form or fashion, we are all runners. And you may uh, have been that person who uh, you kind of grew up with your mom and dad's religion, and whenever it was time for you to kind of start making your own decisions, you decided that you wanted to get out and do your own thing, and you decided that you wanted to do your own thing in such a way that you had to kind of run from God. And, and it's not that you didn't believe in God, it's just that you wanted to make your own decisions and call your own shots, and you wanted to get out there. And you were not really anxious to say, hey God, here I am, please do with me what you will, because then he might want you to do something other than what you want to do. Does that make sense? And so we run from God. And it's, again, not that we don't believe in him. It's just that we want to do our own thing. And so you've run from God. And, and maybe you're here today, and, and you're here today because of that voice in your head or someone invited you or a tap on your shoulder that, that you feel like might be God trying to get your attention. And you're hesitant to turn to him and to stop running because to do so, well, God might want you to change some things. And so for now... You just want to keep running. As we talked about last week as well, maybe it's not a holistic thing. Maybe you're not just running completely away from God in all areas of life. Maybe it's just an area or two of your life where God is, is trying to speak to you, but you're running from God in that area. You know, such things as, hey, I'll have one set of ethics at work and one set of ethics and beliefs at home. I'll do one thing when I'm here and one thing when I'm here. So God, you don't understand that in my business and in my world, you just have to do things this way. So God, no. Over here, yeah, sure, we're good. But over here, no. And so we run from God in certain aspects and in certain areas of our life. We just tell God to, to stay away. And I would venture to say that all of us can relate to that type of running in, in some form or fashion. And in, in so doing, well, you're in good company. And as last week, I invite you to just kind of look around. It's okay. Look around for just a second. And I think what you'll see sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you are fellow runners. People who either were running or maybe still are running away from God. And it's not that they maybe don't believe, it's just that they just want to kind of keep God in the rearview mirror. Real quick recap from last week. We talked about three things that all runners do. The first one is that they run to the strangest places. They always run to the, these strange places. For Jonah, he got on a boat. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Jonah. Jonah should run somewhere safe, but instead he gets on a boat. And whenever you think about the places that you go, the relationships that, that you participated in, the, the decisions you made, the business decisions, and all those things that you did when you were running from God, you look back and you say, how could I have made these decisions? What was I thinking? The second thing that we talked about is that life begins to unravel. And it happens to everyone who runs away from God. Dreams don't come true. Relationships don't work out. You thought you were going to be happy and you weren't. You thought you were going to have success and you failed. Life begins to unravel. And thirdly, that runners hurt the people who are close to them. When you and your life, whenever it starts to unravel, your husband is hurt, your wife is hurt, your family is hurt. It's not that you mean to. It just happens. And some of you know the pain of that all too well. You grew up in homes where maybe your mom or your dad ran away from the Lord. And while they would have never said, we're leaving the Lord, they chose not to follow him. And in 
the, re uh, the result of that was that you caught some shrapnel because of what happened in your family. It's just the way things work. As a child, maybe you remember the dysfunction and the hurt that you felt um, whenever those things happened. When your parents left God in the rearview mirror, and, and here's the thing, you, you kind of did the same thing or you're doing the same thing. We hurt the people around us when we run from God. And, and again, we don't mean to. It's just what happens. It's a natural occurrence when we run from God. So today, we're going to continue in our story in the book of Jonah to gain some more insight into this whole idea of running. And so I invite you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Jonah. It's a, it's a tough book to find. If you open up your Bible and you find yourself in the New Testament, if you have one of those red letter edition Bibles, you see the red letters, you've gone too far. Um, whenever you hit books like Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, you're almost there. Just keep going. It's, it's a really little book, and so you have trouble finding it. If you want to cheat, you can grab the Blue Bible somewhere uh, close to you, page 654. And if you really don't want to put forth any effort at all, then kick back, relax. They'll be on the screen behind me, okay? So that's just kind of your options this morning, uh, how you can either participate or don't. The interesting thing about Jonah is that after he was swallowed by this large fish, he learned some very important lessons. He learned that, that God wasn't going to let him drown. Oh, no, that would have been too simple. God's going to torture him at this point. At least I think that's what Jonah was thinking. Imagine being thrown overboard, and then you get swallowed up in a great fish. God's having some fun with him now, isn't he? Uh, Jonah, when he got in there, what did he do? Well, he started praying. Wouldn't you? Right? Find yourself in the belly of a large fish, I would guess we would all start praying. And that's what we all do whenever they, we feel like there's no way out, isn't there? We get to the end of our rope, and what's the first thing we do? Oh, God, please help me. That's what we do. Because whenever there seems to be no way out, that's whenever we want to let God in. Jonah, he started to pray. And after he was vomited up on dry land, Jonah, I think he kind of goes back and he writes down some of those prayers or some of how he prayed and some of those insights that he gained while he was in the belly of that fish. And that's what we're going to talk about today from Jonah chapter 2. And from this, I think we can see five basic things about God's attitude toward us, toward runners, toward people who are running from him. It's at this point in our story uh, that, that we find Jonah, and we talked last week about uh, who was a runner, and several of you had the courage to raise your hand and say, you know what, I either did run or I am running away from God. Uh, you know, I, there's a couple people here this week that, that said, uh, you know what, last week they told me, you know what, I'm, I'm still running, and you're back today, so glad that you're back, glad that you ran back here. Um, this whole running away from God, um, we can all gain some insight. Whether you have run and you're no longer running or if you're still running from God, we can gain insight into this. And, and if you're still running from God, let me say this. These things that we're going to talk about this morning, I really want you to talk away because these are the things that I think are going to be important for you. Whenever you finally say, you know what, I'm done running, and you throw up your hands and say, okay, God, I don't want to run anymore. These are going to be very, very important. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. It's where we're going to jump in. The text says this. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. The first thing that I, I think we see about God's attitude is when a runner prays, God listens to their prayer. I invite you to grab your bulletins and, and follow along and fill these things in. God listens to the prayer of a runner. Now, that is amazing, an amazing thing to me. It's it just one of those things that, 
is amazing because God doesn't have any reason to really listen to the runner. I, I mean, if you've been running from God and you're facing the consequences of your action, what leverage do you have with God? Why should God listen to you? Why should God pay any attention to you? Look at Jonah. He's in the belly of a fish. He's praying to God. And he's praying, okay, God, now I will serve you. From this point on, God, I'm going to serve you. Well, what choice does he have, right? I mean, what else is he going to do? Things are beyond his control. Things have gone about as bad as they could go. Of course he's going to pray. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Here's what we discover. In our lives, it's the same thing. When we're at our wit's end, when we're at the end of our rope, when life begins to unravel, we call out to God, and the good news is, he hears our prayer. God hears the prayer of a runner. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. Ready? God hears the prayer of a runner. Amen? Do you know that because, did you say that because I told you to or because, because you believed it? See, I've talked to lots of people who've experienced that. They've experienced the fact that God heard their prayer. And I wonder if that's true with you. God hears our prayer. If, if you have your Bible, um, I invite you to, and if you have a pen, and if you're okay with writing in your Bible, so lots of qualifiers here, I want you to write in five additional words in Scripture. Now, these are not inspired. These are, you know, these are not even mine. I stole them from somebody else. But they, they you know, suggested that we put in these five additional words. In my distress, and here's the words, that I brought upon myself. In my distress that I brought upon myself. Because the reality is the distress that we're in, oftentimes we put ourselves in that situation. Not all the time. Don't misunderstand me. But most of the time, the distress we find ourselves in is because of our own fault, our own doing, our own decisions, our own running away from God. In my distress that I brought upon myself, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now why would God listen to someone who's on the run from him? Why would God listen to the prayer of someone like Jonah or like us who oftentimes say, dear God, no. Thank you so much, but no, I'd just really rather not, because God has no reason to listen to that prayer. But the message of the Old Testament and the message of the New Testament and the story of Jonah is the good news that God is going to listen. He listens to your prayer. He hears your cry. You know what came to mind for me as I was thinking through this and preparing this was, was this fact. The number of people that have come to me and I've sat across the table or about, you know, across the desk or just had conversation with, and they've asked me for my advice. And so I give them my advice, and then they go out and do the exact opposite of what I told them to do. And then when things don't go the way that they had hoped they would, who do they call? They call me. And I want to say, well, duh. If you would have listened to me the first time, you wouldn't be in this situation. Now it's a lot more work to get you out of it. Here's the good news. God is not like me. Amen? Yeah, everybody really agrees with that one, right? Oh, that's easy. In our despair, in our distress, even when we've done the wrong thing, God, God listens. God says don't do it. Your mom says don't do it. Your friends, all wise counsel says don't do it. And you cry out to God and say, God, help me. And the Bible says that God hears our prayer. And here's why that's important. Because if you're running from God, there's a cycle that oftentimes we get in. 
we're running from God and we think, I need God's help, but why should I cry out to God? God's not going to listen to me, and so we argue with ourselves. God's not going to listen, so I'm not going to do it, and so I'm just going to keep trying to run harder and faster, and, and I can't call out to God because God's not going to listen, and, and, I wanna call, and we just spiral and spiral, and we chase our own tail, and God is saying, you can come to me. We say, I can't call out to God, and God says, yes, you can. And that's so powerful to understand that if you're running from God, he just wants you to stop and to cry out to him. He won't even say, I told you so. He's not like me. He's not like other people. He will love you. And I think that's pretty amazing. That's an amazing thing about God. You know what else? When we cry out to God, God is in the midst of those circumstances. God is in the midst of the circumstances. God is there when a runner decides to quit running. Look at verse 3. You hurled me into the sea, Jonah says. To which I have to say, no, God didn't. God didn't do that. Those were the sailors, Jonah. Have you forgotten your own story? Remember what happened? You ran, got on the boat. And I think Jonah's going, no, no, I, I understand. I remember my own story. But I also recognize the fact that that was God. That God was in the middle of that. God was, may have used the sailors to get my attention. God was there. God used what he used. He used who he used to bring me to the end of myself. And I want to suggest that that that's what we all discover whenever we finally decide to quit running. That the circumstances that we hate, the relationships that have gone sour, the the debt that's swallowing us, the decisions that take us down, the, the reason we're so mad and we're just mad because we just are mad. We're mad at the dog. We're mad at our spouse. We're mad at anybody because we're just we're just mad. And we don't know what we're really mad about, but we're just mad. All that stuff, God says, I I want to redeem that. And whenever we we run and then we stop running and we look back and we put some distance between that and we're inviting God into our life, we start to connect the dots. Oh, I see how God was working in those things. I see how God used that person to direct me here and this person here and that visit there. And and we see how God was orchestrating those, those situations and those circumstances to get our attention. God was not trying in those things to pay us back. As we talked about last week, he was trying to bring us back to himself because he desires to have that relationship with each and every one of us. And as I talk to people, and as I sit in small groups, and as I hear their stories, I am blown away time and time again at the gut-wrenching things that people have had to experience in their life, the things that they have gone through, and their attitude about it is just overwhelming at times. I've heard people say many things, but some of the things I've I've written down, um, I would not trade what happened because it got me to where I am today with the Lord. And I'm thinking, wow, I wouldn't want to experience what they experienced, and they're thankful for it. If If God had not allowed that to happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. If she would not have left me standing at the altar... I would still be an arrogant guy who would likely be divorced and would not have the relationship with the Lord that I do today. Gut-wrenching stuff. But as you look back, you see God is in the midst of it. Those circumstances that you hate, life beginning to unravel, the events slowly taking you down, and you feel like you're losing your mind because your dreams cannot come true, your relationships are being shattered, that things are not going together. In fact, things are just falling apart all around you you'll see that God is in the midst of those things. God is using those things to draw you back to himself. That's what he does. And as I thought about that, it makes sense, doesn't it? Isn't that what we would expect God to do? 
Isn't that what we would expect from a God who desires to have a relationship with us? Do you think for a minute that God's love would not allow him to do that? Do you think that God would just allow you to just wander off like he didn't care? That he'd just say, oh, I'll just go make another one? That he just allows us to just leave and and not be concerned about it? No, God loves us so much. He sent his son for us. Of course that's what he's going to do. Of course he's going to use whatever means necessary. And and if we run away from his mercy and his grace and his love, he's still going to work in our lives to try to draw us back to himself. That's what we expect a loving God to do, isn't it? Maybe today you're running from God and you can't see God in the midst of this. You just see the midst of this. God's there. He's in the middle of whatever's going on. And I would venture to say if you started talking to people around you, you would find that that's very true. That God used situations and circumstances in their their life that they didn't understand it at the time, but looking back, they could see God working and moving, and directing, and loving. And in his mercy, and in his compassion, he allows us to experience some things that we would rather not. All to get us to where we need to be. Third lesson that I want to suggest this morning, something that I think lots of biblical characters, and I think many of us have experienced as well, that God's discipline is thorough. God's discipline is thorough. When God decides, or when God comes after us, And whenever we decide to turn back to him, sometimes God's not very gentle through that process. In fact, sometimes he's so extreme that that I found myself looking at different situations going, I can't believe God's going to allow that. I can't believe that they have to go through that. I think that's kind of how Jonah felt whenever he was in the belly of that great fish. Look at verse 4. I said, I being Jonah... I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threaten me. In other words, I think he was thinking, I'm done. This is the end. He got thrown overboard. He thought he was going to die. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. I think he could tell when the fish was going down and up. A little visual imagery, and he's writing about this. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now, let me ask you a question. How long do you think it was when Jonah got swallowed by the fish, and then he started praying to God? How long do you think it took? A nanosecond. Three days, maybe? Uh, Three minutes tops, right? I think... Once he got in there, it was like, oh, okay, you know, God's got his attention at that point. I don't think that that Jonah understood. He didn't know how long he was going to be in there. He didn't know if he was ever getting out of there. If you look back throughout the Bible, you find that God's discipline is thorough often. When the nation of Israel rebelled against God, he didn't send send them into exile for a year or even 10 years or 20 years. It was 70 long years. When the nation of Israel decided, you know what, we're not going to follow what God said, they didn't wander around in the desert for, you know, 10 or 15 years. It was 40 years. When David sinned with Bathsheba, God didn't just slap his wrist and take away Bathsheba as a wife. No, he lost the baby. He lost his son. He, He lost his kingdom. He lost his influence. He lost his power. He lost his reputation. He lost everything. And whenever I look at stories like that, I think, God, aren't you going a little extreme here? I mean, isn't David still this guy after your own heart? How how could you do that? And yet, what we discover is that God's love for us is so great 
that he's not afraid to scar us, that that's what it's going to take to keep us from wandering. Let your grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. This is, it's, we sing that. And if God's grace isn't enough to hold us, then I think God's going to do other things to help get our attention. God's going to allow those things. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how to explain all that about how, what God allows and what just happens and all that. I, I don't know that I fully have my brain all the way wrapped around that, but I do know that, that God is going to be moving and working and using those things because his love and his discipline for us is thorough. And, and in that, we're going to find that God's not trying to pay us back and get us. He loves us enough that he wants to bring us back. It's thorough. And I don't know that I've met too many people that in the middle of that thorough discipline, that they're excited going, thank you so much, God. But on the backside, they see it for what it was, and they're thankful that God's discipline truly is thorough. Fourth thing that I think Jonah learned about God is this. To run away from God is really to run away from his provision and protection. He says it in a, in a unique way here that's used consistently throughout the Old Testament, and we see it again in the, in the New Testament as well. Look at verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And the word I want you to see there is the word grace. It's the Hebrew word hesed, and it's translated as loves or grace, of course. Uh, and all throughout the Old Testament, we find that word. And whenever you see that word, it's a reference to God's unconditional covenant love that he has for his people, that he has for his children. And I think what Jonah says here is this. Jonah says, I realize that, that I've done what the Ninevites have done. I was supposed to go tell the Ninevites about God and how they were supposed to repent or God was going to judge them. But instead, I decided to do what I wanted to do. And I decided to do what was going to make me comfortable. And instead of focusing in on what God wants, I did what I want. And when we do that, that is an idol. And I think Jonah saw that. Jonah sees that, that pursuing this thing that he thought would bring him peace, that would bring him happiness, that would make his life easier, in pursuing that... He went away from God's unconditional covenant love. He went away from what God would have him to do. The thing that would ultimately bring uh, fulfillment. The ability to, to find purpose in life. To really make connections relationally. Jonah was running away from all those things. And that's the same thing we do. We run away from that which we are truly pursuing. We're chasing idols out there instead of chasing after God. It goes back to what we kind of talked about and touched on last week. Why do we do that? Why do we run away? Well, oftentimes, especially when we're younger, we think, well, I want to pursue these things because that's what's going to be fun. I want to pursue this and, and go out and experience things because there's these things that I want to do and, and there's these adventures that I want to take and there's these people that I want to spend time with. And, and to do those things, I know God wouldn't approve of those and so I'm going to run from God and I'm going to do these things anyway. Because I don't want to miss out on something in life. And so I want to be happy. And so I'm going to pursue the things that will make me happy. And so we say to God, thank you, but see ya. And somewhere down the road, we discover again that our dreams aren't coming true. That relationships aren't working out. And it's all just worthless idols. Look at how Jonah says it. He uses a word that we're familiar with. Verse 9. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. 
Salvation comes from the Lord. I think Jonah has this moment of discovery there in the belly of this great fish. He realizes that he couldn't save himself. And we're not talking about heaven or hell at this point, okay? Not that salvation, but salvation from his situation. He realized there was nothing he could do to save himself from that. He thought he could do his own thing and go his own way, and that was going to be what he wanted to do. And the way we think is that oftentimes um, we can save ourselves from unhappiness, or we can save ourselves from uh, guilt, or save ourselves from loneliness, and we can save ourselves from whatever it is as long as we are going and doing it our own way. And Jonah realized what I think that we all realize at some point or another, that salvation from guilt, from guilt is with the Lord. That salvation from a broken heart is with the Lord. That salvation from loneliness is only through the Lord. That salvation from fear or purposelessness comes from God. It's only found in the Lord. He is the only one that can do that. And so we have to question ourselves, what are we really thinking whenever we're running away from Him? Too often... We get in this situation where we think, well, when this happens, or if only, and then, and then, and then, and then, and what we find is that the and then never happens. It's just more the same. And we keep waiting for it to happen, and it just doesn't. And I think one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is, in my running, what am I trying to save myself from? What do I fear? What do I believe that I know better than God And that I'm going to take care of it because God can't. What is that thing? And what we'll find is that we're running from the very thing that can fulfill what we're trying to pursue. We're running from God and only he can pursue that. Only he can fulfill that. Salvation comes from the Lord. Fifth thing. And I think this one's key. God is a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. Um, If you don't know the whole story, right? If you haven't read this whole thing through... If you're Jonah in the belly of this great fish, you've got to be thinking this is over, right? Thrown overboard but not allowed to die because that would be way too simple. Instead, God's going to torture him a little bit more. It allows him to be swallowed by a great fish. Now that he's had this great revelation that, okay, God is God. I should follow him and serve him and spend the rest of my life, boom, God's going to squish him like a bug, right? I get you to where I want you, so that's it. We'll send somebody else to Nineveh. But as we'll disco- we discover... What Jonah discovers is that God is a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances for a guy who said, hey, God, no. He's a a God of second chances to a guy that says, I know you, I believe in you, I can quote the Old Testament, but my answer is no. I'm going to go do my own thing. And God says, you know what, Jonah? I'm going to give you a second chance. Look at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, Let's just say gross, all right? Let's just throw that one out there, get that out. All right, chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And verse 3, to me, is one of those, duh, right? Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Well, great, we would certainly hope so at this point, right? Here's the good news. All the sin and all the junk and all the consequences in your life God can use those, he can leverage those for ministry if you will allow him to. You need to realize that no matter where you are, what you've been through, that God is not finished with you yet. Um, Over the past four years, but more frequently over the past uh, two or three months, uh, there's been a guy who's been coming by the church, and uh, his name is Larry. And in our conversations, Larry just always says that he's ready to give up on life, that he's done, that there's no hope. 
and time and time again are able to remind Larry that, you know what? As long as you're alive, God's got a plan. As long as you're seeking him, God's got a plan for you. And if you're just willing to submit to that, he's got a plan for you. It, it's the same thing that, that we tell our daughter. As long as you're alive, God's got a plan for you. You just have to be willing to allow him. You've got to quit running from him. The amazing thing is that the message of the Old Testament and the message of the New Testament is that you cannot run outside the boundaries of God's grace and God's love and his mercy. The Bible heroes that we all look up to, they were all runners. The people that impacted your life and and helped you to get back to where you are today, well, they were runners. Just because you're a runner doesn't mean you're disqualified from serving God. You talk to people and you find out time and time again that the sin and the junk and the wasted years, God is using that as leverage to help other people. Because sometimes what they need is to know that they're not alone. Just like you needed to know that you weren't alone. God can use those things. Because God is a God of second chances. The Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament from prison. Even though David sinned with Bathsheba, God said, I'm not going to remove my covenant love from you. Even though Peter, Peter's a guy that, that we talk about and he gets a bad rap because I think he deserves it most of the time. But Peter did some pretty amazing things. He performed miracles. He walked on water with Jesus. He'd seen it all. And yet, when Jesus is arrested, and Peter's around the fire trying to stay warm, and and a girl asks him, weren't you with Jesus? Nope, didn't even know him. Now, in my book, he's done. I'm done with Peter. I'll find another rock somewhere, right? I'm going to get rid of him because... Whenever you've experienced those things with God, you've done those things with with Jesus, you've walked with him, you've, you've seen all this stuff, how could you deny even knowing him? But that's not how it works with God. He says to Peter, you're going to do great things, and he restores him. And it's yet another reminder that God is a God of second chances. Can I tell you that, that when you quit running, I believe that God is going to start restoring relationships. He, he may even choose to restore you financially. He can restore your mind. He can, he can clear your conscience. He can relieve your guilt. All of those things he can do. But can I tell you something that I've yet to see God do? Something God doesn't do is he doesn't give back your time. And the tragedy often as I listen to people and as they share their story is that they oftentimes say the same thing. Oh, the wasted years. The wasted months. The wasted days. The wasted opportunities. If I could only go back, if my kids were still younger, if only, and you can't get that back. Those, that time just doesn't come back, the time that you threw away when you were running. Ian and the band, are, they're going to come and they're going to lead us in a, a hymn of, or a song of invitation this morning. And my challenge to you today, as we talk about running and about all these things that we can learn from God is, Why not let today be the end of your running road? Why not cash in your tennis shoes? Why not get rid of those things? Why not turn to him instead? Because the amazing thing is, God's going to hear your prayer. Because that's what he does. That's who he is. That God's going to be there in the middle of the process. That God's trying to get your attention. That you'll, you'll find that God is right there loving you and redeeming you. And you'll find that as you're running from God, The very thing that you thought you were pursuing, you can't find happiness there. That it can only be found in the Lord. And even though you've got God in your rearview mirror, what you need to do is turn around and and see him. 
Because God is a God of second chances, and he's willing to come into your life to restore you and to keep you from running away from him anymore. Don't waste another season of life. Can I encourage you not to run through another Thanksgiving, another Christmas time where you're like, well, when I, and then, and after, and stop running. Turn to him. Allow him to be the center point of your life. Because the truth of the matter is, you can run from God, but you can't outrun him. You can't do it. He sent his son to die for you because he's a good God. He wants that relationship with you because he's a good God. He's not like us, which makes him a really good God. But we can be like him, which makes him an amazing God. Maybe today you need to turn your life over to him. Maybe you need to just quit running and you don't even know what that looks like yet, but you're willing to talk to someone about what that might look like. We, we want to have that opportunity to share those things with you, to pray with you, to encourage you, to be in there, to be a part of your life. Stand with me. And if you want to talk to someone, you make your way over to the cross, and we'll meet you there.